are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and I hope you are ready to buckle in because today's show is a doozy. This has been one of my favorite projects that I've been following along throughout the course of the Chris Greer and Brian Flores era. And I started doing my work over at Dolphins Wire uh, right when the Dolphins made the regime change and swap into Chris Greer and Brian Flores. So like that regime, I'm going into year three, and I've been following along trying to find trends with how the Dolphins conduct their business at various positions along the roster. And the nature of a 53-man roster and so many different positions is we have not gotten enough transactions in many cases to find trends for what tells might exist for which prospects the Dolphins are probably going to covet. But, not all positions. One such position group, the offensive line. We have seen significant additions over the course of the past 24 months to the Dolphins' offensive line going back to the 2019 NFL Draft. A total of nine prominent players. And I say prominent players, I mean mid-round or earlier draft selections or prominent free agent signings. And this project, the first time I pieced this together was May of 2020. And I wrote the story for Dolphins Wire. The story was titled, What Do Dolphins Trends Along Offensive Line Tell Us? And what you found, if you include 2019 and 2020 draft and 2020 free agency, the offensive line additions, Michael Dieter, third round 2019, Austin Jackson, first round 2020. Robert Hunt, second round 2020. Solomon Kinley, fourth round 2020. Ted Karras, free agency 2020. Eric Flowers, free agency 2020. And then I will include Julian Davenport, offensive tackle from the 2019 Laramie Tunsil trade. That is a grand total of seven players before this offseason. And you look across the board and you find some trends. First and foremost, these guys are big, big offensive linemen. The Dolphins very clearly covet a very specific set of skills, like one uh, Liam Neeson from Taken. And maybe the Dolphins' coveted specific set of skills isn't as ominous as Liam Neeson's was in that movie until you're defensive back out in space and the Dolphins are running the screen and they got the big hog mollies out in front leading the way. 320 pounds was the average size of those seven players at the time they were added to the Dolphins roster. Significant beat. The smallest player was Michael Dieter at 309 pounds. He has since, by the way, beefed up on the Dolphins roster. The Dolphins roster currently lists Michael Dieter at 310. I've seen him somewhere around 313. That deserves acknowledgement, 
is if you're 310, you're probably going to be an outlier if the Dolphins go that direction for you. That helps narrow the field quite a bit, but that is not the most telling trend. Of those seven players, two of them, Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt, did not participate in athletic testing in their pre-draft process. Solomon Kinley had a foot injury. Robert Hunt had a groin. Eric Flowers did not participate in drill that drill at the 2015 Combine. The other four players, Jackson, Karras, Dieter, and Davenport, logged a standing broad jump that exceeded the 70th percentile for their respective position groups. Austin Jackson jumped 9 feet 7 inches. That's 97th percentile for offensive tackles. Ted Karras, 8 feet 10 inches, 77th percentile for interior offensive linemen. Michael Dieter, 8 feet 9 inches, 73rd percentile for interior offensive linemen. Julian Damport, 8 feet 10 inches, 71st percentile for offensive tackles. Fast forward to today. You have two more prominent additions to the Dolphins roster at the offensive line since I wrote that article in May. They are Isaiah Wilson, who's obviously no longer the team, but was a transaction and an acquisition that the team made, and center Matt Skura. Guess what? This list has grown to nine prominent additions on the offensive line, and they all meet the thresholds. Again, Isaiah Wilson, 350 pounds at the 2020 NFL Combine. Big number. He also jumped 9 feet 2 inches at 350 pounds. That is an 87th percentile jump for offensive tackles, going all the way back to 1999. Size, lower body power. Matt Skura, there's some fine print here. He came up just short of the 7th percentile for interior offensive linemen in 2016 with his 8 foot 7 broad jump. That was the 61st percentile. But then he went on to his pro day, that same draft cycle, and bumped his number two inches to eight feet nine, which you guessed it, is good for the 73rd percentile for interior offensive linemen. Skura, today, listed on the Dolphins roster at 313 pounds, so he's over 310. So in summary, been following trends for the Dolphins offensive line. What have found? Mass. The average weight is now, based on these nine acquisitions, up to 323 pounds is the average size of a Miami Dolphins prominent offensive line addition over the last two years, 24 months. And six of the nine, all six of the nine who have a logged score for their standing broad jump over the 70th percentile in the test. So, What do we do with that information? Well, naturally, we're going to look at the pro day circuit for prominent offensive linemen from the 2021 NFL draft, and we're going to explore which one of these prospects checks those boxes. Ergo, which offensive line prospects projected to go in the top 100? You should expect most likely are on the Dolphins' shortlist spoiler alert. One prospect not on the list was a player mocked to the Dolphins at the end of last week. Rayshon Slater made everybody pull their hair out. Shout out Peter Schrager from NFL.com. Didn't make the cut. But what should make the cut for you 
is a big old box of Built Bar. We've been telling you about our friends over at Built Bar for quite some time, pounding the table for the best tasting protein bar out on the market. Whether you're looking for something that's keto friendly, something starts your day, something post workout, something delicious, Built Bar can fill that void in your personal schedule and your personal diet. 18 delicious flavors to choose from high protein, low sugar, high fiber, low calories, 100% chocolate on all their bars. You can use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order by visiting BuiltBar.com and finding out what all the fuss is about for yourself. So don't wait. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. So this look at the 2021 NFL Draft class uh, is important because it should give you not a definitive list, There are exceptions. For example, the Dolphins made a serious run at signing David Andrews in free agency this offseason, had a firm offer on the table. Andrews is listed on the Patriots roster at 300 pounds on the dot. Center, you get a little bit more wiggle room. Guy's going to work out in space a little bit more, and especially in this style of offense, there's a lot of double teams, a lot of climbing to the second level, a lot of running between the tackles. You're going to have to get up and get into linebackers' laps quickly to make sure you're picking them off so they're not stepping down and creating an even uh, wall along the line of scrimmage between the tackles. So it's not to say this is a unquestioned, 100% fail-proof list. And that's important for prospects like Oklahoma's Creed Humphrey, who did not make our short list. He jumped 94th percentile on the broad jump, plenty explosive, but only 302 pounds. Is that meant to disqualify him? No, but it would mean he's the first significant outlier from a size perspective. He's 21 pounds lighter than your average Miami Dolphins offensive line addition. And you take some of these interior guys who are capable of playing center, Matt Skura, Ted Karras, Michael Dieter, he's still 10 pounds short of those guys too. But let's let's work our way through the list. We're going to start with the most explosive jump and work our way down. Alabama offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood. 312 pounds, 98th percentile standing broad jump, 9 feet 10 inches. You're keeping score at home. That is an un believable number (laughs) nine feet 10 inches for an offensive lineman especially one who plays with the power that Alex Leatherwood does up front is not somebody to overlook the appeal with Alex Leatherwood and I will talk a little bit about their merits on tape because you know at the end of the day the tape trumps it all and you got to have the same demeanor that's going to mesh with the way the Dolphins play football Alex Leatherwood has that nasty demeanor and he has versatility. He played right guard, and he also played left tackle throughout the course of his career at Alabama. So you know, first of all, he's comfortable playing on either side of the line of scrimmage, and you know he's comfortable playing at either tackle or guard, not dissimilar to one Robert Hunt. I like that added versatility. Where can we expect Leatherwood to get his name called? Somewhere on day two. I would not be surprised based on the testing, the pedigree, and the versatility if he ends up being a top 50 selection. If he is a top 50 selection, you could theoretically, if you are the Dolphins, have up to four swings of the bat at him, but you're not going to draft him at six, and you're probably 
they would be extreme upset if they drafted him at 18. 36, I think that's reasonable. I think 50, I think that's an ideal sweet spot to draft a player like Alex Leatherwood, who does have some limitations in pass protection that you're going to have to work around if you're going to play him at outside at offensive tackle. For the Dolphins, maybe he plays at guard. The next name is one that I'm fairly confident the Dolphins will not be investing, and it's Texas offensive tackle Samuel Cosme. 314 pounds, 98th percentile standing broad jump for offensive tackles, specifically at 9 feet 9 inches. Athleticism is off the charts. Uh, Cosme is super raw. You watch him on tape. I don't know what he's doing his pass sets a lot of the times, but it works for him because of how athletic he is. And in the Big 12, where offenses are really spread out, ball can get out a little quicker. You got athletic quarterbacks with plenty of room to run because the defenses uh, are spaced out as well. So Cosme's rough around the edges. If the Dolphins didn't draft two tackles in the top 40 last year, uh, uh, I think there could be a conversation. Cosme has a real strong chance to go in the first round because of the athletic tools. And that, for me, is the big disqualifier. I do, I'm do. i not interested in taking another developmental offensive tackle inside the top 20 picks, like they did with Austin Jackson. The growing pains there were real. We need to see growth before we're ready to double down and swing the bat and take the exact same risk over again, in my personal opinion. Our next name, definitely a contender for the Miami Dolphins. Tennessee offensive guard Trey Smith, 321 pounds, 92nd percentile broad jump, 9 feet 4 inches. You watched Trey Smith as a freshman, and you thought for sure this dude was going to be a top 20 pick. Even coming into this season, after he recovered from some blood clots that forced him to miss some significant time, uh, so there's some medical stuff there that's a little scary, uh, you would have thought Trey Smith was going to be a late first rounder, early second rounder. But he's kind of plateaued as a player. Uh, I could tell you he doesn't test as dynamic as, or he doesn't play as dynamic as he tested. But at this stature and with his play demeanor, he wins the A level really well. He will maul you to death. I would hate to be lined up across from Trey Smith in a phone booth because he would put me on my back in one-tenth of a second. He is a monster in short spaces. And the Dolphins, Solomon Kinley, operated quite a bit in short spaces. Trey Smith played some left tackle in a pinch that might have stunted his development as far as being an interior guy a little bit. Uh, played him there because he was the best offensive lineman on the field. I understand that from and the best athlete amongst the offensive linemen. I understand that. Uh but I do think there is some untapped potential there because he was charged with playing left tackle for a stretch and missed time uh, because of these blood clot issues in his lungs. So Trey Smith, my expectation is he's going to be there early on day three. The challenge, of course, for the Dolphins is you don't have a fourth-round pick right now. So do you either overdraft him at 81 or do you manipulate and trade up and down the board and get yourself a fourth-round pick so that you can draft him there? That's the big question for Trey Smith. Wisconsin Whitewater interior offensive lineman Quinn Miners. 320 pounds, 90th percentile broad jump at 9 feet 3 inches, played on the Dolphins roster at the Senior Bowl, was coached at both guard and center during that week, 
and hails from the same school, Wisconsin Whitewater, that co-offensive coordinator Eric Studsville just so happens to be an alumni of. So let's take a little inventory. Quinn Miners has a very direct connection to the Dolphins' co-offensive coordinator. Same school, Wisconsin Whitewater. In a year in which there are less data points for every NFL draft prospect than in a normal year due to the restrictions of COVID-19. And the Dolphins worked with this player for a week at the Senior Bowl, cross-trained him at guard and center. He meets the size and lower body explosiveness thresholds that the Dolphins are looking for. And he's super nasty on tape. And as a Division Three player... You can bet your bottom dollar there is some development to be had and a ceiling that has not been touched. Where do we write this in Sharpie? (laughs) Unless somebody jumps the gun on the Dolphins, I feel extremely confident that Quinn Miners is the kind of prospect that the Dolphins can draft on day two. Am I drafting him at 36? No. Am I ideally drafting him at 50? No. 81, if you don't go offensive line earlier in the draft with your four top 50 picks, lock him in at 81. Place your bets. Now, speaking of bets, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all of your favorite sport action. The NFL season may be over, but MLB, NBA, and NHL are all in full swing, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real-time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the new scores and odds and is the best way to place your bets, plus it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, promo code Locked On. We have three more names that definitively check all the boxes that are perceived to be fringe top 100 or top 100 players. Plus some fine print to dig through, plus a couple of guys that just missed the cut. The next one is Stanford offensive lineman Walker Little, 313 pounds, 90th percentile broad jump, 9 feet 3 inches. Played a lot of tackle, Walker Little did. Uh, I don't think he can play tackle at the NFL. Uh, He's endured a lot of injuries. Uh, He has not played a lot of football recently, and that may cause him to drop in the draft. But from a perceived talent perspective, it was not that long ago that Walker Little was considered a potential first-round caliber offensive tackle prospect. I do think the injuries have taken their toll. But you haven't seen a lot of him in a couple of years, regardless of what happened with the Pac-12 schedule and playing a reduced schedule. Little is kind of, I regard him in the same boat as Trey Smith, but there's bigger risk with Walker Little because the injury issues, based on what we know, Trey Smith, you know, blood clots in the lungs is super scary, but he's been able to play and play sustained football over the last couple of years. Walker Little, that is not the case. But if you come up empty-handed and the injuries do cause him to slide, this is a low-risk proposition on day three. I wouldn't draft him top 100 with the medical questions that he has. I'm going to 
skip the drum roll, but there is a collective group of the Dolphins fans who are going to be excited with the next one because it's Oregon offensive tackle Penny Sewell. 331 pounds, the biggest offensive lineman that we have mentioned to date, 84th percentile in the standing broad jump, 9 feet, 1 inch. The book on Sewell is pretty cut and dry at this point. He's got phenomenal athletic tools. You watched him on tape. He won a lot of the times just strictly based off his athletic ability. There's a lot of technical growth to be had there, and that is a super scary proposition. The problem is you're drafting him at six if you're going to get him. Ain't no way he gets to 18, and the Dolphins' investments make it a tough sell when you drafted two offensive tackles in the top 40. And I understand Robert Hunt has positional flexibility. I don't think that Austin Jackson does at all. And then you'd be asking Penny Sewell, who's already raw technically, to learn to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I understand he lined up there in prep. But he did not take a single snap at the University of Oregon during his time there at anywhere other than left tackle. We've talked about the value of some of these other guys kind of putting it in a dead zone for the Dolphins. I just think the value of Penny Sewell is too rich relative to the other pass catchers that you have available to you at your disposal. Now, if it turns out that what we talked about on yesterday's show with Kevin Clark and the Catbird box and the Dolphins looking to leverage a desperate team and a team like Denver comes knocking, right? You trade back to nine. Wide receiver run starts. It's been alluded to that Carolina doesn't have Penny Sewell as their top offensive tackle on their board. Maybe they draft Rayshon Slater. Sewell's there at nine. You want to go that direction, more power to you. If you trade out a six, somebody gets quarterback. Wide receivers then hypothetically go, say Pitts goes at four. Chase goes at five, which I don't think is going to happen, but I'm just working through the hypothetical so it makes sense for this. You trade out a six, quarterback goes, Detroit takes Jalen Waddell, and then a team trades up in front of, front of Miami and drafts Devontae Smith, and you're left with none of the big four pass catchers, then draft Penny Sewell. He's, he checks your criteria boxes. But I just think at six, it's too rich of an investment to make into a group in which already got a ton of premium assets that you need to develop and figure out what you do and don't have. The last one to check all the boxes, Oklahoma State offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. Uh, if you're going to get him, you have to draft him at 18. He plays right tackle naturally. He is perceived to have inside-outside flexibility. He does have 33-plus-inch arms, so he should be fine at offensive tackle. Him and Robert Hunt next to each other would be the meanest buddy cop duo in the history of the NFL, or at least the Miami Dolphins. These are two mean dudes in the run game. Jenkins, 317, 72nd percentile in the broad jump, 8 feet, 10 inches. He just snuck in. Again, these are perceived to be top of the draft, top 100, day one, day two type prospects. He is an absolute treat to watch drive guys off the ball. He plays with a mauler mentality. The challenge is, okay, is he your best available option at 18? If the board falls flat and some of the backs come off the board 
and the edge rushers, you get a run. You know, Dallas, the Giants, the Raiders, Minnesota. Some of these teams go after some of these pass rushers, and the backs come off, whether it's Arizona. I know they just signed James Conner, but it's a one-year deal, so you don't know if it's a long-term thing. You could come to a case, and you could come to an argument in which you could make the case that Tevin Jenkins is the best available player, and then much like the argument of a potential trade back to nine in the hypothetical we just went with Penny Sewell, I'm not going to get mad if you take the best player available as an offensive line that meets all your thresholds. Would I like it if there were other options and more robust positions of need for the Dolphins? I'd understand it. I'd maybe get a little frustrated that they were so committed to investing so much premium assets. But at the end of the day, Tevin Jenkins is a phenomenal football player, just like Penny Sewell is. And if the board breaks a certain way and the case can be made, let's do it. Let's do it. One notable name who missed this list because he cannot test, and that's important to acknowledge because that's what happened with Solomon Kinley, and it's what happened with Robert Hunt. Lana Dickerson, center. University of Alabama, 333 pounds. The biggest offensive lineman on this group. Obviously has a knee injury. It's looking like he's bouncing back. But injuries are a very prominent thing on Landon Dickerson's draft resume. May cause him to slide, it may not. And somebody asked me yesterday, how could you possibly draft Landon Dickerson knowing his injury history? thankfully, I don't have to make that choice. I would understand why the Dolphins would, and I would also understand why they wouldn't. But I'd counted the Dolphins, used the fifth overall pick on a quarterback with a dislocated hip that we hadn't seen play football since that injury, and that was a very severe injury that was potentially, or was declared as a potential career-ending injury at the time. So the Dolphins... Now they've taken some best player available opportunities as they've fallen, but they're not necessarily risk-averse. They're willing to take risks. Landon Dickerson would be a risk, but the reward when he's healthy would be phenomenal. And I guarantee you, watching that dude do cartwheels in the background of Mac Jones's Pro Day interview, he's an athlete. And I feel confident if Landon Dickerson were healthy, he would meet the same thresholds that the Dolphins hold their other offensive linemen to based off the trends that we've seen for the entirety of of prominent transactions to the roster. I'm not talking about UDFA guys. I'm not talking about practice squad guys. Guys that are like signed with an expectation or acquired with an expectation to play. Everybody checks these boxes. Two guys who just missed. I already mentioned Creed Humphrey, who at 302 is a significant undersized guy relative to what everybody else looks like, but because the Dolphins did have interest in David Andrews, I think center has a little bit more flexibility for them to to take some liberties there. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, another option in the first round. Don't expect he'll be around much longer than that. Uh, 308 pounds, so just short. Dieter was drafted at 309, so it's not impossible, and 77th percentile in the broad jump. And George's Ben Cleveland, cut a little bit more from the same cloth of Solomon Kinley. 343 pounds, Ben Cleveland is. Right guard. He's probably a round three, round four prospect. 56th percentile in the broad jump. So just short in his testing. But you ain't got to be 343. Come on. If Ben Cleveland got to 335, I guarantee you he hit 70th percentile without that extra weight on his frame. And he's not built sloppy either. He's built like the mountain from Game of Thrones. 
So if you want a list of like first, second, third, fourth round offensive lineman prospects that meet all of the criteria for the Dolphins, and a couple that were just short, and Ben Cleveland and Elijah Vera Tucker and even Creed Humphrey, who is not just short on the weight, uh, but potentially an exception because he plays center. Alex Leatherwood, Alabama, guard slash tackle. Offensive tackle Samuel Cosme, University of Texas. Tennessee offensive guard Trey Smith. Wisconsin Whitewater interior offensive lineman Quinn Miners. Stanford offensive lineman Walker Little. Oregon offensive tackle Penny Sewell. Oklahoma State offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. Alabama center slash guard Landon Dickerson. USC offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker with an asterisk. Georgia offensive guard Ben Cleveland with an asterisk. Dolphins make a top 100 investment in the offensive line. Look for it to be somebody that's on that list or the exception being Creed Humphrey. Hope you guys enjoyed. I really enjoyed digging through the numbers, digging through the data, trying to find trends. Like I said, there's not too many position groups where you have enough data where you can identify clear trends. The offensive line is one. We're up to nine clear acquisitions for prominent players and at least one more coming, you would think, in the 2021 NFL Draft. Little break from the pros and cons series, I know, but one that was well worth it to me when I kind of worked through, and it's mockdraftable.com is a terrific tool. They put in all the numbers and uh, give you the historical context, and they're starting to put in pro day numbers because there's no combine. Everything else is rooted in the combine on that site, and you start to see the, the spider graphs and stuff that are populated. It was like, aha, I finally got to dig into some of this data and do it. And sure enough, some compelling talk for your Miami Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. We got two more shows this week. They're going to be good ones. I promise I'll talk with you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Have a great day. Fins up, everybody.